welcome to the Wesley Memorial Podcast. Join us this Sunday at 1225 Chestnut Drive in High Point. Visit us on the web at wesleymemorial.org. Now here is this week's message. It's a pleasure for me to welcome my friend and our friend David Snipes to this pulpit this morning. Uh, David is leading the West North Carolina Conference United Methodist Foundation that's based in Huntersville, North Carolina. The foundation helps churches in Methodism to be good stewards of their resources and to use those resources in life-changing ministries around the world. Uh, It's one of the greatest foundations we have in Methodism. They're doing a remarkable job uh, empowering churches for ministry in this world. And some of you remember, if you've been around a while, you remember that before he went to be uh, the executive director and president of our foundation here in Western North Carolina, he was the executive pastor here at Wesley Memorial Church. So we really are welcoming him back uh, to this place today, and it's a great joy that we welcome him back to speak to us on this Commitment Sunday. So, I invite you now to warmly receive him back to this pulpit. Good morning, beautiful people. I am talking to you all. Good morning, beautiful people. It does my heart good to be with you this morning. Someone stopped me between the services and said, Do you feel well-loved? And I can tell you, I feel overwhelming love. And I hope that you know how much Debbie and the girls and I love you guys. Debbie is not able to be with me today. Our oldest daughter, who is 23, she was six years old when we left here. She is the student ministries catalyst. Anybody know what that is? It is what most churches call the Director of Children's and Youth Ministries at West United Methodist Church in Mooresville. And last night, one of her volunteers called in sick, so Debbie got drafted to fill in for her this morning. And our youngest daughter, Grace, who was born here and baptized right there, she was two when we left, and she is now finishing up her last year at Cape Fear Community College in the Marine Sciences program. So you guys have loved us and nurtured us, and for that we are most grateful. Last time I was here, I was presented with uh, a bag of socks. For those of you that don't know the meaning behind that, I traditionally do not preach with my shoes on, and I can tell you, if you were back here, they can tell you I don't have my shoes on. But this time I came and I have sweet tarts, and that is a joke between me and some of the staff. Uh, I love sweet tarts, Tish Schulteis and Linda McCoy and a couple of others. We used to see who could outdo one another with buying sweet tarts, so... I feel loved and welcome. I do want to tell you, though, that uh, last night I was sitting at home watching the Nebraska-Minnesota football game. You may recall that my wife is from Omaha, Nebraska, so we have to go Cornhuskers. 
and uh, an instant message drops in on my Facebook, and it's from Barry Osborne. And he said, Judy and I are looking forward to seeing you tomorrow. And because of this weird sense of humor that Barry and I have, my response back was, they're expecting me at Wesley Memorial tomorrow? <laughs> and in Barry's weird sense of humor, he responded back, that's okay if you don't. I'll just give them my lineup of jokes. So I want you to know I saved you this morning by showing up. I don't know, you might decide his jokes would be better by 12 o'clock today, I don't know. But I do want to, to thank uh, Jeff for inviting me to this pulpit. Uh, I met Jeff years ago when he was at Aldersgate in Shelby and uh, they were a client of the foundation after I left uh, uh, you guys. And uh, then I got to know him a little bit better when he was on the cabinet. He is a true leader in this conference. He's a theologian, he's academically gifted, and you are blessed to have him as your lead pastor, just as you are blessed with all of your staff and all of your pastors. Um, and so, thank you. Thank you, thank you for welcoming me, welcoming me back. As is the case when one prepares a sermon, and especially when you pray to God that uh, God give you a message, sometimes you get what you ask for, and it doesn't always coincide with the scripture that you gave the church. It's a little bit uh, what's happened this morning, although I'm going to use some of the scripture your bulletin says Matthew 6, verse 21. I'm going to pick up a little bit before that in the Sermon on the Mount, um, starting with verse 19, and then I'm going to go down through 21 and skip to 24. So I'm going to ask that you close your eyes, take a few deep breaths, clear your mind, open your ears, and hear the Word of God as if you've never heard it before. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. No one can serve two masters, for a slave will neither hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. This is the word of God, for we the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks for the ways in which you reveal yourself to us through Holy Scripture. We pray that as we come to this place today, that you help us to open our eyes and our ears and our hearts and our minds to your transforming word. Where we need to let go, we ask that you step up and most of all, that we recognize it. So may our words be your words, our thoughts be your thoughts, but most importantly, O oh God, especially when we leave this place and go out into the mission field, 
may our actions be pleasing in your sight. We offer this prayer in your Son's most gracious and most holy name, and all the people said, Amen. Cliff Christopher is a colleague and friend of mine. He is one of the founders of Horizon Stewardship, and some of you may have read some of Cliff's work or heard about Horizon's work among us. One of the more recent books that caught my eye and that I've been looking at is a book entitled God Versus Money. And in that book, Cliff shares a story right up front, actually in the introduction, where he's talking with several of his friends who have children that are reaching the age of graduation. And the friends are kind of reflecting back on what the story of their family has been thus far and, and what the story of their children will be moving forward. So one of them asks Cliff, what is your hope for your son? And the response that was given was one that any parent would wish for his or her child. The response was, I hope my child has a successful career and lives a happy life. Now for those of us that have children or, or people in our lives that are like our children, that answer seems reasonable. We probably have muttered them internally, if not externally, to others. It's what any of us would want. The next person in Cliff's group uh, shared about how his son was to report to the minor leagues and that if he could get some playing time and keep his batting average up, that hopefully one day he would make it to the Baseball Hall of Fame. As he smiled boastfully and cocked his head back, he said, that is so much more than his mother and I thought would ever happen when we took him to his first t-ball practice. The third friend spoke up and indicated that his hope for his son was that he would marry, that he would have children, and that simply he would be a good father. Because this guy felt like that if his son was a good father, then that was a sign that he had been a good father and his legacy was going on. Finally, the last friend spoke up and shared what ended up being a prophetic word. He said to the group, I hope that my son grows up realizing that he is a beautiful creation of God and that all that he has is because of how God has blessed him. He went on to say that his hope for his son, that he would be so in touch with the fact that God had created him and given him all these blessings, financial and otherwise, that he would even be a tither. Now, here's Cliff, this known uh, theologian and expert in stewardship, and he's going, gosh, why didn't I think of that? I wish I would have said that. After all, what better thing could we say as professing Christians, disciples of Christ, than to acknowledge that we are God's creation 
and all that we are and all that we have is of God. But even more importantly, how do we respond accordingly? I will remind you again, all that we are and all that we have is of God. So I ask you one of several questions. Do the stories that we communicate through our daily lives, do they communicate the message that we acknowledge that we are God's and that God has blessed us? When Jeff asked for my sermon and text title for today, I didn't have a problem giving him the title but I did have a problem narrowing down the corresponding text. And here's why. Picking up on this idea that all that we are and all that we have is of God because we're God's creation, should we not go back and look at some of the texts that come before that that exemplifies this truth? It validates it. Taking this into consideration, I can't help but go back to the book of Genesis, chapter 1, where we read, in the beginning, God did what? Now, Melissa answered this this morning. She was my resident theologian at the 830 service, but I'm going to give someone else a chance. In the beginning, God did what? God created God created the heavens and the earth. God created light and dark and sky and sea, plants and trees and all living things. God created me and God created you. God created humankind to be here as stewards and, and to care for the fruits of the earth, to care for the fruits of creation. And dare I say today, as we come to this Commitment Sunday, even our financial resources. But for some reason, even we Christians who profess Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and promise to give all that we've got for the betterment of God's kingdom, we have lost track of this. The stories we tell as we live our lives daily miss this important fact. When Debbie and the girls and I left you guys back in 2002, we moved to a lakefront community in uh, Lake Norman, just north of Charlotte. It didn't take long for us to realize that our neighbors lived well beyond the ways that at least Debbie and I were accustomed. One of our neighbors, who I will call Bill for the sake of anonymity, became a friend. Bill worked for what was then Wachovia, and as I shared this morning, don't mean to offend anybody, he called it Walkovia. And he had a job that offered he and his family many luxuries. They had a nice house on the lake. They had not just a small pontoon boat, but they had a nice top-of-the-line ski boat. They had jet skis. They had canoes. They had a well-appointed home with some of the finest furnishings that I can imagine, some of which probably came from High Point. They drove expensive cars, took extravagant vacations, wore clothes that they had purchased from some of the most popular boutiques in South Park. They were members of the Peninsula Golf Club, even though they didn't play golf, and their children went to private school 
even though the schools in northern Mecklenburg County were some of the best. From the outside looking in, it appeared as if they had it all and life was good. But as I got to know Bill better, and as we started sharing our life stories, I came to understand that he had what he called an empty life. According to Bill, he and his family had fallen trapped to keeping up with the Joneses and all the toys that they had accumulated had become nothing more than a burden rather than enjoyment. There were bills to pay, exotic places they were expected to go, and there were fronts to keep up. Bill's family and ours attended Davidson United Methodist Church where one year I worked with their annual stewardship campaign and just as Wesley Memorial has done, we tried to include as many people in that effort as we possibly could, hoping that it would bring about success. After explaining to Bill, my friend, the theme for that year's campaign, Blessed to be a Blessing, it was about taking into consideration that God has blessed us and therefore we are to bless others. So I asked Bill, Will you be on my team? With a distressed look and tears in his eyes, he began to share with me that he didn't think he qualified. When I asked why, he shared that he had become a slave to the very luxuries that from the outside made him appear successful. And he also admitted to me that he was not giving to the church as he had committed to do and knew he should do. So he said to me, David, how can I be an example to the folks in the church if I'm not doing it myself and I haven't even taught my children? The reality was that he and his wife were mortgaged to the hilt, had maxed out several credit cards, and the financial pressures of keeping up with the Joneses had caused his marriage to be on the rocks. Unfortunately, the story that I tell you about Bill could be repeated over and over again. And it's a story of his daily life that is a false narrative that many in our society have fallen prey to. But how do we change this? I believe that one of the starting places might be found in Matthew chapter 22, and it talks about love. I heard, had the privilege and honor of hearing Barbara Coughlin share her stewardship story at the 830 service, but Barbara, I'll be honest with you, I was so focused on preaching this first sermon, I didn't hear it until just then. But one of the things that you said repeatedly was about love how this church has shared love, L-O-V-E, love. It's a word that is central to our well-being. It's a way of life if we're going to live the Christian life. It's what we do and how we act when no one is looking. It's how we speak. It's how we care for one another. We've heard the words of Matthew 22 before. After Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees who were experts in the law tested Jesus by asking which commandment was the greatest. 
And Jesus' response is one that you've heard many times. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This being the first and the greatest commandment. Secondly, we are to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. If we read on down to verse 40, the point is driven home by saying, on these two commandments hang all the laws and the prophets. So you may be asking yourself, what does the creation story at the beginning of Genesis have to do with this Matthew text that I just shared with you? And I I want to try to build that bridge with you. If we truly believe that God is our creator and the creator of all that we have, think about everything that you have, thus all that we are, does this fact not call us to some level of accountability? And if we're going to be called to accountability, would it not be safe to say that the words found in Matthew 22 call us to a greater love of God and for our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ? If we profess ourselves to be disciples of Christ, then the answer would be an overwhelming yes. And what better way to acknowledge what God has done for us, plus live out these commandments, than to express love by giving of oneself, personally and corporately, through this community of faith, known as Wesley Memorial United Methodist Church. For those of you that have been members here for a long time, this is not unfamiliar to you. I may have only been here for but a short time, but there is one thing that I knew in my heart of hearts, and that is that you all are a loving, caring group of people. I recall back during the earliest days of the development of the God's Future Church Initiative and how we arrived at that title and that theme. Some of you may remember that we started off with the title, Our Future Church. But after discussion and prayerful discernment, church leaders came together, and as I shared earlier this morning, I remember in my office, Barbara Coughlin, Ned Covington, Bill McGuinn, and Garland Young, and it was decided that what this church was about, what this community of faith was about, was more than me, mine, and ours. It was about something greater beyond these magnificent walls and the pipe organ. It was about sharing the love of Christ. It was about doing something greater. So the word our was changed to God's. And what was even more powerful to me at that point in my career, I was only in my second full-time appointment. I think I was somewhere in my 30s. I'm not sure. Yeah, somewhere in my 30s. What was so powerful to me is that as we engaged in that initiative and had those discussions and prayed about it, that there was certainty, there was no doubt that God would be with us. God would guide us 
and God would point us in the right direction. That was the story then. What is your story now? This year's stewardship emphasis is titled Rise to the Mission, and I just saw a fantastic video down in the contemporary worship service where it shared about how this church rises to the mission. It's a mission that was started generations ago by people who no longer walk these aisles or sit in these pews, but they did know that who their creator was and to whom they belonged. It was also a, a mission that could be carried out because people knew that God had provided the resources whether human or otherwise, that would help them to be successful. It is for this reason that Wesley Memorial continues to be a beacon, not only in the High Point community on the corner of Westchester and Chestnut, but also provides quality Christian education and nurture and growth through worship experiences, Bible studies, ministries for all ages, and all the things that were shared in that video and that Barbara Coughlin just talked about, I don't have time to go into all of them. You guys have so much going on, and it's all based on love of God and love of others. Now, you may have noticed, and if you recall back when I used to preach here when I was on staff that I always like to preach asking questions. For those of you that came in, and, and I, I've had people tell me before, I just want you to tell me what to do and how to do it, and I'll, I'll go be a good little soldier. I'm sorry, that's not me. I'll let Jeff and the other pastors do that. But I think that it's important to understand that we all come to this place at this time with a different history, a different experience, a different understanding as to how we should respond. So hopefully the questions that I have given you thus far are thought-provoking spiritual questions that will help strengthen your discipleship journey. So I ask you again, what is the story that God wants you to tell? And how will you use what God has given you to make a difference through the mission and ministry of Wesley Memorial? Our primary text for today is the Matthew 6:21 that you saw in your bulletin. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Only you, individually, in your heart of hearts, know where your treasure lies. And only you know how God is calling you to something that is greater than yourself and that is greater for God's creation in this wonderful tapestry of life that brings us together through that love. But what I challenge you to do today and every day, but especially in this season of stewardship, as we rise to the mission of this community of faith, is that your treasure be focused on things of God. Let me say that again. 
your treasure be focused on the things of God. For when you do, all other things in your life will fall into place. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.